I am Plant on the Line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. A remarkable poetry collection recently published, another in a series of collections we're featuring as part of National Poetry Month, is the one from writer Carolyn Gammon, on her own terms, poems about memory loss and living life to the fullest. In this collection are poems that confront the memory loss of Carolyn's mother, Frances Firth Gammon. But it's more than that. As we read in the book, Carolyn's mother led a full and fascinating life. She co-founded the Fiddlehead. We see glimpses of uh, the the latter as we see uh, a daughter reflect on her mother's role in the family and what she did before she had a family. The poems reveal the intimacy of mother-daughter relations as well. Each poem ends with dialogue from Carolyn's mother giving her voice. The book is often funny. It also shows us though, uh, that though Carolyn's family experienced her mother's memory loss, it gained something. We'll talk about that and more. Carolyn Gammon is the author of Lesbians Ignited, Joanna Krauss, Twice Persecuted, and The Unwritten Diary of Israel Unger. She was born and raised in Fredericton and lives in Berlin, Germany, where she uh, joined me in early April. This uh, book is from Harbor Publishing. Please uh, welcome to the Plant Online program, Carolyn Gammon. Ms. Gammon, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. I guess it's evening where you are, is that right? That's right. It's. Uh, I think we have nine hours difference between Berlin and Vancouver. I see. Yeah. How long have you lived in Berlin? Uh, I've been here 30 years, so I'm coming to this uh, critical moment when I'm actually longer in uh, Germany than in Canada. I see. But, but does Canada, does that still feel like home? Yes. Yes, I don't know um, what it is, and it's your heart and soul, I guess, but uh, uh, New Brunswick certainly feels like home. I mean, I have a lot of uh, family now out west uh, mm-hmm. in B.C., but, of course, I had, like, as long as my parents were alive, or, or certainly my mother was alive, I headed to New Brunswick. I still have a brother there and his whole family. I have another brother in Newfoundland, and then everything, everyone else is out west. Um, so in this time that you write about in uh, on her own terms, uh, the, the poems, uh, the period in which you wrote the poems in this collection, um, if, if there was something going on with your mother, you would have to go back, and, and that was a long journey, wasn't it? That's right, and I, I sort of kind of joke that I commuted between Berlin and Fredericton, New Brunswick, uh, to care for my mom, and uh, she was, and in the last 11 years of her life, uh, on which this book is focused, she was living in a home or in two different homes in the hospital. Uh, but um, I was sort of, although we're four kids, I was the one who took it on, you know, mm-hmm. thanks. I, I gratefully took it on. I loved seeing my mom, and and I had a little child at the time here in Berlin, but my partner took care of our son, and I then hightailed it to New Brunswick. I think I made four emergency trips uh, over those 11 years, and um and many than just voluntary trips. I sometimes went even three times a year. So, yeah, my yeah. a lot of energy went into this, but it, it was a lovely time of my life, and I don't regret a minute. So, so the, by the way, just for, for people who are listening to us in, in, in the travel situation, you couldn't fly directly to Fredericton. You'd have to go, I guess, to <laughs> Toronto, is that right, or Montreal? <laughs> yeah, so, so this is a bit of a problem that Berlin had been a walled city, so there were no direct flights out of Berlin at all, uh, even long after the wall had fallen. I mean, even today now in the high season, there's one direct flight to Toronto, but that's it. 
And, of course, it was a bit more convenient for me to fly to Montreal. So I usually had Berlin, Frankfurt, Frankfurt, Toronto, or Montreal, and then Fredericton. It was often like a 20-hour trip. Oh, man. That just, yeah. just sounds terrible, especially these trips that you talk about in the book where it's an emergency. I can't imagine mm. what that's like, you know? Yeah, it it was dreadful, and, um, you know, sometimes they just had told me to come. They thought my mom was dying. There was one time a, a pre-COVID flu. We had flu before COVID, mm. um, but, and, and I better get there quickly, and um, I actually managed to save her life that time. She was just, uh, uh, it was a matter of dehydration, and, uh, you know, this is part of what I deal with in the book is that, um, you know, it's called on her own terms because in the end I feel my mom died on her own terms even though earlier in her life people sort of made decisions for her that maybe she should die now uh, one time it was an overdose on morphine and then one time it was this not hydrating her during a flu yeah. and um, and and she kind of defeated that each time and and I guess I just feel everyone should have the dignity to sort of die on their own terms if possible um, and and have not you know any people on the caretaking system making that decision for them. Yeah, th- th- there's one uh, poem in the book where you talk about you refer to them as angels of death, where mm-hmm. you know I mean we we all laud nurses. My mother was a nurse. Um, th- they do remarkable work, but but sometimes um, there are those that aren't necessarily concerned with the the, the interests of, of say the person or the family, right? Well, you know what, uh, Joe, I wouldn't even go that far. I would say mistakes are made, Mm. um, and, and, uh, yeah, people think, okay, it's sort of in, it's time to move on now. You're 93 or whatever the age. Sure, yeah. Um, And um, it's sort of like, and a lot of people, I call it modern euthanasia. A lot of people do go out on morphine now. Uh, A friend of mine, her mom was a nurse for many, many years, and she said she thinks about 25% of patients choose to go out on morphine, and that's fine, too. Uh, You know, I I think that should be allowed. But if you don't want to, (laughs) then it shouldn't be happening. Yeah, Yeah, and that's what I try to address in the book is, is that we should, you know, I want, I mean, this is one of the main points I'm making in my book. I'd like dementia and, and, and memory loss to be seen as a disability like any other. Mm. I want it to be seen like, say, being in a wheelchair and needing a ramp to get into a building. I call it building ramps for the mind. You know, I want, um, or, or like, if, if you're deaf, you, people around you should be speaking sign language, and, and so on. And I would love, uh, I have a one line in the poem that says, I'd love to go to the airport, you know, and, and as a person with Down syndrome, should be able to travel by air as well and, and get, uh, you know, help at the airport. So you should be able to check a box saying, you know, memory loss, and then people help you through that process. And, yeah. and I, yeah, that's what I'm aiming for. I mean, I, I don't, I hope the poems don't sound like I'm on a soapbox, but, no. you know, that's, that's I, 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 in these 11 years, I really struggled also to have friends and family see my mother as a full person in that time. She still had her, you know, we often said to mom, look, you've got your hearing, you've got your sight, you can still walk. I mean, she could walk until she was in her 90s. I said, you know, a bit of memory loss, okay, that comes with the territory, mom. And and so that's how we spoke to mom, you know, and anyway. uh, Some people would kind of, like, stop sending flowers on her birthday because, oh, she's not going to remember who sent them. And I said, but she remembers what flowers are and how beautiful they are. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, there's one poem where you refer to, I can't remember if it's a relation or a family friend, 
who said um, they went to visit her and, and said um, offhandedly just uh, or, or what's left of her, which I thought was, you know, a terrible way of looking at a person. Yes, it, it turns out I unfortunately misquoted that friend. Um, oh. that she actually was quoting another woman who had said that, so she did not say that to my face, and mm. she actually reminded me of that later, and I'm, if I ever do a reprint, I'll correct that. Uh, funny enough, though, I also say, or I don't think I said this in the poem, but what came out of that was, I, I felt so distressed by that expression, yeah, yeah. what's left of her, that I wrote this poem, which is in the book now, and I gave it to the friend who repeated that expression to me. And she, as a result of that, started visiting my mom in the mm. home and, and, and said she had marvelous, strange and marvelous conversations with her. And she really, through that poem, she renewed the friendship with my mother. So uh, that was a case of something having a happy end, you know. Um, it, it, it definitely hurt me when I first heard that, but I turned it into, as you know in the poem, I basically say, well, here is what's left of mom. She can do this, and she can do that, yeah. and she can do that. Uh, it's a bit the, the cup half empty or the cup half full story. Have, have you always found that, that, that writing poetry has um, allowed you the space to say work out things that you've been thinking about and as a result get the the positive reaction as you did with this particular poem for sure um i have one other book of poetry i've been writing poetry my entire life uh, i say in, in the book as well both my parents were poets so i came by it honestly um <laughs> and uh in my first book of poetry it was more about my coming out experience where i worked that out in poetry and I think it's a great cathartic medium. Uh, you know, these things are ruminating around in your head, and, and rather than just letting them turn over and over, you put them down on the page. Mm. I, I think songwriters would say the same thing about lyrics, you know, and, and um, it's a powerful medium for reaching yourself but also reaching other people. Before we get uh, too far down in our conversation about um, th these 11 years that you write about in the book, could you tell us about your mother and um, uh, what sort of career she had? I understand she, she uh, co-founded The Fiddlehead, which which is a, a publication here in Canada for, for poetry, that, that uh, it's a long-running publication, right? Yeah, it's the longest in Canada. It was founded in uh, Fredericton, New Brunswick in the 40s. And funny enough, both my parents were founding members, and my father was the first editor. Um, and Mom uh, had quite a career before she married. So uh, she was University of New Brunswick's first archivist, and then um, she did that for seven years, setting up uh, the archives there, and then decided to sort of professionalize that with a degree in library science. Before that, she'd had a degree in history. And so um, she and my father then married in order to go off to library school together because at that time you couldn't live together even as a heterosexual couple uh, if you weren't married. And so they quickly married and went off to library school. And then as the time was, the 50s and post-war, um, women were not seen as uh, hireable. So, you know, coming out of library school, actually, my mom had seven years of experience as an archivist. My father had virtually no experience, but he got hired because a married woman was considered just she was about to make babies and she couldn't be hired. And I even have a letter that my father wrote to a potential um, employer sort of asking for a position for her too because he had just gotten the position. Anyway, so then she became like a mother of four baby boomers and that sort of career was over and I grew up knowing very little about her achievements and uh, I really 
you know, even when I sort of became a feminist later in life, I, I didn't think to ask who had my mother been before she had been a mother. Mm. Well, needless to say, when I found out, I, <laughs> I wanted to sort of tell everyone. <laughs> yeah. And, and, yeah. and at the end of, uh, I guess, most of or all of the poems in the book, there is a line um that's that's from her and and w- w- what's re- really lovely as i'm reading the book is 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 hearing her voice and w- why was that important to include her as you were writing about her say yeah thank you for asking you know i call these francisisms because she had some of these wonderful quips and little expressions that she had that really some of them i thought were even born of her changed mind she wouldn't mm-hmm. have been able to make statements like that if she had uh, not had the the mind that changed with age um i wanted her to have the last word i don't know how to put that but i just feel you know people with dementia are often talked about you you know yeah. sometimes even right around them you know as if they're not hearing what's being said and um so i always wanted her to sort of comment with her little wry comments on what i was saying and and i all i tried to write every poem and in fact many of them she did read before she died mm-hmm. um and with the thought you know what would mom think of this so i didn't want anything that um, would offend her in any way. Uh, actually, we talked openly about almost everything in the book. And, and so putting that little comment at the end, by Mom, often a humorous one, but it was sort of like her saying, okay, Carolyn, <laughs> I, I see you. You know, yeah. I know what you're doing. Yeah, that, that was the aim of it. You mentioned your grandmother coming to live with you growing up. Um, in, in terms of... of um why dementia happens or Alzheimer's. Um, do you have a sense of why? I mean, is it genetics or...? or, or... Yeah, I think there, there's a combination. I mean, I don't know why people would assume the brain wouldn't age when every mm-hmm. other part of our body does. And, and you know, I'm a former... Uh, I was actually the fittest woman in Canada and, and fourth in the world in weightlifting uh, at one point. I was a former athlete, and, you know, now I know I cannot do that anymore. <laughs> I'm in my 60s, and, uh, you know, I, I can't go lifting uh, a 100-kilogram bench press anymore. Um, but so why do we assume our, our minds won't age like that? So I think it's a, a combination of of things and i think you can certainly do some things uh, you know to keep your mind active and and whatnot and uh, and i often attribute the fact that my mom could hold a good conversation to the end of her life could like name every school teacher she'd had mm-hmm. from grade one through to grade 12 uh, she could list those off at the age of 96 you know that she couldn't remember that i had just visited her right. she couldn't remember what she'd had for lunch but I often attributed the fact that she maintained much of her memory uh, to these, uh, what I called memory work that we did together. I have one poem called My Mother the Astronaut, and I say, you know, she's on this line. I'm the mothership, and, and she's sort of on this line, and I pull it and gently tug it, and I bring her back to her own life. Mm. And I think many of us, we should never give up on the elderly, and and. I'd like to tell one story that happened after my mom's death, and, mm-hmm. and, and there had been a, a friend of my mother's, a very close friend, and, you know, family members had told me, oh, she's gone. Mm. And, and, you know, I'd never believed it about my mom, but I somehow believed it about this this friend of the family, and her name was Edith. And after my mom's death, I heard that she was still alive, and she was up in a home, and, 
and after my mom's death, of course, I kept wanting to connect with my mom through keeping in contact with the people in her her life, her, yeah. her peers. So I went to see Edith. Now, I hadn't seen her in about seven years. I didn't even kind of recognize her coming in there. And she really didn't remember a thing. You know, I said, oh, I'm Carolyn Gammon and this and this. And, and then I spent about two hours there. I played the piano, played some songs. And every time someone came into the room, I'd say, my name's Carolyn Gammon. And Edith was a very good friend of my mom, Frances First Gammon. I often use my mom's maiden name. Uh-huh. And at the end of the visit, I um, I said, it's time to go now, Edith. I, I have to go. And I said, you've just had a visit. And she goes, from Carolyn Gammon. I know the Gammons. Mm. Now, here's this woman who, yeah. uh, you know, really, I mean, she just needed some pulling and tugging like my mom had done, you know. Yeah. And, um, and, and so I think that's a big factor. Now, there are people, like Alzheimer's is particularly... You know, one thing, I have that one poem called Fingerprint where I say don't let anyone tell you that your loved one is like this or that because yeah, there are yeah. many different types of dementia. I right. really only, my mom had what was called vascular dementia, but Alzheimer's is definitely one that is quite rapid and quite difficult. There's mm-hmm. other ones like Lewy body dementia, which uh, makes you stumble and, you know, and then there's certain dementias that are part of other diseases. So, um you know, I was, I say I, I was lucky with mom that she retained so much of her, you know, mental abilities to the end, despite the memory loss. Mm-hmm. But everyone's going to have their own journey on that. And, and I think about a third of us, if we live long enough, are going to have some form of memory loss. So, you know, let's, let's look at it and let's find, you know, helpmates to help us through this, you know, and to make us able to take part in life fully as fully as possible even with this particular stumbling block yeah that's the thing that i think will astonish people when they read the book is that that um because when they hear the word dementia or alzheimer's or 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 memory loss even um it'll frighten people in terms of what will happen or people think that it's all the same thing and i think um your your book does a marvelous job in terms of telling us that uh, people suffer different things differently or it affects them differently and i think that's a a, a wonderful way to look at say the aging process yeah for sure and 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 hopefully we would never write off someone because they're suddenly in a wheelchair or we'd never write someone off because they uh, are losing their sight so uh, i i'm i'm trying to um maybe detoxify a bit this word dementia and say it's just one of those disabilities that can come to us with age and uh you know uh, let's find ways as i say to um help uh, ourselves and our our loved ones with memory loss to take part in life and there's just so many ways to do that okay. um you know i i just I kept up my mom's um, regular activities pretty well right to the end, which was, you know, visiting friends. She never forgot who her old friends were, ever. Mm. So that was a a marvelous activity, you know, um, eating ice cream, (laughs) things she'd always loved. Um, And and the funny thing is she, 
I'll never forget the last book she read. It was a book by Anne Marie MacDonald. It was, I think, Anne Marie MacDonald's second major book out. Right. And and I found the the bookmark halfway through because Mom couldn't remember the storyline anymore. And I thought, okay, she can't read a novel anymore. So then we, what about a short story? Was that, you know, and for a while that worked. And then that became too long for her to follow the story. Eventually we were down to comics Mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, to to sing or poems, things that were very short. But she could read right to the end of her life. and, And she enjoyed reading. But it was just finding the medium that meant something to her still. And then also watching one great thing in the home was they had one TV set on only, what are they called, oldie goldies? Like it's set on Casablanca and films my mom knew by heart. Mm. And she could sit endlessly in front of those because she didn't need to be told what the storyline was, you know. So there's lots of stuff we can do. I, I guess there's homes that even you know, sort of decorate the place, making it look like the 50s or the 60s or something, you know, so people will feel at home in their past, yeah. That's the other marvelous thing about your book is that that, um, rather than, say, um, list the frustrations and the the negatives that um, a changed mind can can yield, um, you talk about all the marvelous gains. That that she had, and then you as uh, you had as well as a daughter, as a as a caregiver, and 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 the people around her. Um, that, that's something that we we uh, tend to overlook, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I I think um, if we only look at aging as a process of losing, then um, we're losing something, uh, you know, and. Um, uh, you know, I, uh, one thing, I, I have a poem, I believe, about how my mom had been such a stickler for time, and, and she had been sometimes really in a bad mood if you were a bit late. Yeah. And, of course, she, she lost that because she lost a sense of time, and she didn't know how much time had gone by and so on. And that actually I found quite positive about her personality that yeah. she, you know, th- th- not all the changes were negative, this sort of, or or that one poem where um, I was telling her about celebrating my 50th birthday in the future and she sort of accused me of celebrating without her being there because she thought <laughs> she would die by then. Yeah. And then and then of course by the time my 50th birthday actually came she had lost that sort of holding on to life like a dog would hold on to a bone, you know, and she was she would become much more zen about it and um and I realized that you know, I was the one now holding on to her life, and and she was sort of ready to let go. Um, you know, so it, that was interesting too. That that um, that her it became more positive for her. This also this process of going to whether she was going next, right? And yeah. um, she she didn't hang on to it like, uh, yeah, like biting down with her jaws clamped or something yeah, yeah. there's a lot of humor and and i think that you know a lot of that comes from her i mean we see that at the, on the cover of the book with, with that photo of her i mean mm. th- that says everything about her doesn't it yes and i was so happy with harbor uh publishing that they let me put that photo on the front it's her with her arms thrown up in joy uh, i can just see almost oh, feel the wind in the photo um that was very much her she um actually loved her elder years um it it was hard on her to leave her home i don't her own home Uh i don't hide that i i 
I say it was uh, reminded me of putting my dog down, you know, the sure. one the yeah. time that I kind of betrayed my dog by taking it to the vet to be put down. And I, I remember when mom, you know, I dropped her off at the home, although we'd made it so lovely for her, you know, she looked at me with this look of betrayal in her eyes. And, and that was definitely uh, a hard moment. But in general, that exalting image of her on the front, um, she really, she still kept that, you know. And um, I, the night before she died, my sister and I sang camp songs with her mm-hmm. <laughs> from her youth. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah it, that kind of says it all. Yeah, it's 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 a lovely book in many in, in many parts. Um, in in terms of um, looking at uh, say your own life and 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 I mean, when you reread these poems, I mean they must evoke all sorts of memories, do they? Yes, and and uh, of course I you know I ask myself. My grandmother had dementia on my mom's side, so did my mom, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether I eventually will have it too. Now, mom started showing signs of dementia when she was 86, so I guess I have a while to go, yeah. and I think it's, it's, it'll be okay by then, and, uh, you know, I'll figure out my life. But, of course, I love reading these poems, actually. They, they evoke my mother. They evoke our time together. And um, funny enough, you know, I don't want to say they were the best times in my life with my mother, mm-hmm. but there's some intimacy that is achieved through this type of caretaking. Like I would take her out of the home for two weeks every summer and take her down to the cottage where I actually did the, that type of intimate caretaking myself. And, you know, I remember... You know, first thing in the morning, the cottage was rather cold, and then putting this warm washcloth on her back, and she goes, oh, that's so beautiful, you know, just to be able to give someone that type of joy. Um, yeah, and, and so those poems, they bring back all those memories, even even as I describe how difficult it was doing that type of caretaking in a, you know, what was it, a six-foot-by-six-foot six space in the mm-hmm. cottage toilet bathroom but um yeah the the poems are for me revisiting my mom somehow you know and uh, anything that reminds me of my mom and the time we spent together is for me a pleasure the thing that i um got out of the book is, is was thinking about my own life and 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 contending with say um, you know, we all forget things from time to time. I, I, when I sit here and talk to people, I have to have notes, otherwise I'll forget half the things I read in the book. Um, and, and so I, I do wonder as I get older, I, I just turned 40, um, what, what it's going to be like down the road and whether I can, can hope to, to live with, with as much grace and, and dignity as your mother did. Um, do, do you think this book serves as, as a, as a, a place for readers to to gain some wisdom, say? I hope. I hope. I mean, you know, it's um, there's one poem called Learning to Die, and, and I think it's something we, um, we, we, we do. You know, we learn, oh, gosh, maybe I won't make that final travel to wherever you want it to go, and, oh, I shouldn't have put that off, you know, and whoops, uh, I meant yeah. to <laughs> climb Mount Everest and I can't or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and I think, uh, you know, we hopefully learn that, and that's the book is about not being afraid of that, uh, that there are different times for different things in your life. And, for instance, um, somebody said, you know, one time, you know, when you, when you forget stuff, it's, it's you're becoming wiser, you're, you're remembering the essentials. 
and um, and and not trying to hold on to every little detail you ever had. I remember having a colleague at the. I was uh, here a, a tour guide for uh, Jewish uh, Berlin for many mm-hmm. many years, and I. One of my colleagues had a mind like a steel trap. I just couldn't believe it. She never had to take notes. She could remember everything. Now, I still know her now, 15 or 20 years later, and her mind isn't like that anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I know she's taking notes like every one of us. And, um, you know, interestingly, Joe, we're going into a future that is providing so many helpmates for memory. And yeah. I'm talking about maybe even the phone you're holding in your hand right now, sure. yep. uh, even in mom's. As mom aged, the the cell phones and taking being able to take photos right on the day and show them to her immediately, that was a great source of joy for her to go through what she'd done on that day. And um, and I every time I left Fredericton, and I mean every time I left her a photo album behind mm. of the trip we had just had. So I went to up to Walmart. I printed out those things, and because she didn't. She wasn't operating electronic devices. Yeah, yeah. And so every time I left, uh, that was usually our last parting little thing we did was look at that photo album together. And um, I have them here now, so they document our time together. Um, but I, these type of memory helpmates are just really on their way, you know, where Siri or Alexa is going to remind us of our daily things. So I think... Um, you're, you know, you're 20 years younger than I am, so there's even going to be more for someone like you <laughs> there, you know. I, I don't think we have to be that afraid of it. That, that's the thing about uh, whether we have technological um, helpers or not. Um, getting older is not something to be afraid of, uh, especially after reading um, this collection. Um, it, it's such a, 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 so many beautiful moments in it. I could talk all uh, afternoon with you about it. Um are, are you working on another book now? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, unfortunately, my my partner now, 30 years, which is why I'm in Germany, is uh, facing very severe health issues. And my uh, current um, energies are quite a bit taken up by that. Mm. So we actually now, unfortunately, have to leave our home of 30 years and move into a wheelchair um, accessible place. So that's a new challenge. And I just thought, wow, it's so interesting. I mean, my partner is a a black German activist, has been for many years. We're both active in in, in the LGBTQ rights movement, but we know nothing about (laughs) being in a wheelchair. (laughs) So we're on a fast learning curve, I can tell you for that. Um, So I don't actually have another book planned. I mean, funny enough, about uh, when COVID started, I started writing what I call my biomythography because I love writing on the um, in prose on the sort of cusp between mm-hmm. fiction and reality. And I started writing little. Uh, I've got about fourteen of them now. Little sort of two and three page vignettes uh, from my growing up because I had quite an extraordinary growing up in Fredericton in a huge house with boa constrictors and tarantulas, and my brothers had every animal under the sun. And, uh-huh. And and so I've uh, I've started that, and and I think that might be my next project. But it's very in the beginning stages. Yeah. Do you find that you uh, uh, have to write regularly, like every day, for example, like whether it's poetry or, or working on say longer pieces? That that as a writer, that you have to do that. Yes, I do. I and I don't do it by force. I write a diary every day. Mm-hmm. I quite if I. 
I'm looking up at my shelves as I speak to you. There's 30 of them there, and they all are novel lengths. Uh, and those are my diaries. Um, so I feel you have to keep, I write longhand. I feel um, you have to keep that that little road between your brain and the pen or the brain and the keyboard oiled. And um, that I do by writing every day. I love writing letters. I love writing emails to people. I use the email sort of as a, a letter genre. And, and I, I write a diary every day. So I'm definitely one who can't just, I, I don't even want to. To me, I often said if you, you know, if I ever did something uh, um, politically radical and ended up in a cell for a year, just give me a pen and paper, I'd be fine. <laughs> yeah. Carolyn, I so enjoyed reading the book and, and talking uh, to you today about it. Uh, congratulations on this book. I hope a lot of people pick it up because I think a lot of people find something helpful in it. Um, all the best. Yeah, well, thank you, and I really appreciate your interest in it and, and, and giving it a hearing like this. And, uh, yeah, it's really there in the world to uh, inspire people. And, and thank you so much, Joe, for yeah, saying it inspired you. <laughs> Have a good night, Carolyn. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. The book is called On Her Own Terms, Poems About Memory Loss and Living Life to the Fullest. It's uh, from Harbor Publishing. It's author Carolyn Gammon. Join me on the line from Berlin, Germany, in Vancouver. I'm Joseph Plutter.